Topic 1.3 Developments in South and Southeast Asia What the books taught me I've practiced What they didn't teach me I taught myself I've gone into the forest and wrestled with the lion I did this far by teaching one thing and doing another Lao Di 1320-1392 The essential question for today How did various beliefs and practices in South and Southeast Asia affect society and the development of states? The poetry of Lal Deep, known as Mother Lola, illustrates a major cross-section between religious traditions that shaped the history of South and Southern Asia. She was born in Kashmir, a region of North India. While a Hindu, her emphasis on experience appealed to many Muslims, particularly Sufis. The interaction of Hindus and Muslims, though sometimes violent, created dynamic developments in religious thought, politics, economics, art and architecture. Despite the strong Islamic presence in the region, local Hindu kingdoms continued to play a major role in India's decentralization political landscape. A third religion, Buddhism, also had a strong presence in the area, <clears throat> particularly in the Sinhala dynasties in present-day Sri Lanka and the great kingdoms of Southeast Asia. Political structures in South Asia. South Asia was only occasionally united as a single state in its history. After the Gupta dynasty that had dominated South Asia collapsed in 550, ending the so called Golden Age or classical era of Indian history, disunity returned to the region for most of the next 1,000 years. Northern and southern India developed separate political structures. However, Hinduism provided some cultural unity throughout the region. Many people combined their own local faith with adherence to the same scriptures and core beliefs respected throughout the region. Political Structures in Southern India <clears throat> Southern India was more stable than Northern India. The first kingdom, the Kola dynasty, reigned over Southern India for more than 400 years. During the 11th century, the dynasty extended its rule to Siliang, the large island just south of India, today it is known as Sri Lanka. The second kingdom, the Vijayanagara Empire, took its name from the word Victorious City. It began with the arrival of two brothers, Hirhara and Bukha, from the Delhi Sultanate in north-central India. They were sent to the area because the Delhi Sultanate wished to extend its rule to southern India. These brothers had been born as Hindus and converted to Islam for the sake of upward mobility. When they left the region controlled by the Delhi Sultanate, they once again embraced the religion of their birth and established their own Hindu kingdom. The Vijayanagar Empire extended from the mid-1300s to the mid-1500s when a group of Muslim kingdoms overthrew it. Political Structures in Northern India Northern India experienced a great deal more upheaval than did Southern India. 
After the fall of the Gupta Empire, the Rajput kingdoms gradually formed in northern India and present-day Pakistan. These were Hindu kingdoms led by leaders of numerous clans who were often at war with one another. Because of the competition among clans, no centralized government arose, once again demonstrating the diversity and the regionalism of South Asia. The lack of a centralized power left kingdoms vulnerable to Muslim attacks. While the Himalayas protected India from invasions from the north and east, mountain passes in the northwest allowed invasions by Muslim armies. Each attack disrupted a region that had been mostly Hindu and Buddhist. Over time, the Islamic presence in the region grew. In the 8th century, Islamic armies invaded what is today Pakistan, however they brought little change with everyday life. Located on the eastern fringes of the Dar al-Islam, the region was isolated from the center of culture. In addition, the Rajput princes skillfully wielded their power to limit Muslim conquerors' influence. In the 11th century, Islamic forces plundered northern India's Hindu temples from Buddhist shrines and their riches. In addition, they erected mosques on Hindu and Buddhist holy sites, much to the anger of the followers of these faiths. In the 13th century, Islamic forces managed to conquer the city of Delhi and much of the northern portion of South Asia, bringing Islam to India. The Delhi Sultanate reigned for 300 years from the 13th through the 16th century. The interaction of Islam and Hinduism in northern India dominated the political history of the area. While some Hindus converted to Islam, others resented Muslims and considered them foreigners. One factor contributing to this resentment was that the Delhi Sultanate imposed a tax called the Jizya on all non-Muslims subjects of the empire. Throughout its reign, the Delhi Sultanate never organized an efficient bureaucracy in the style of the Chinese. For this reason, sultans had difficulty in exposing their policies in a land as vast and diverse as India. Despite strong Islamic presence in the region, local kingdoms continued to play a major role in India's decentralization political landscape. The sultans wanted to extend their rule southward. Before they succeeded though, they became focused on defending themselves from an onslaught by Mongol army from the northwest. The Delhi Sultanate prevented the Mongols themselves from conquering South Asia. However, in 1526, the Sultans lost power in the new empire. The Mughals, whose leaders did trace their ancestries to the Mongols, took over. Religion in South Asia Religion held a dominant place in South Asian history. Before the arrival of Islam, most South Asians practiced Hinduism, while a smaller number identified themselves as Buddhists. South Asians encountered a starkly different religion when Islam arrived. Hindus prayed to many gods while Islam is strictly monotheistic. Hindu temples and artworks are replete with pictures of deities, while Muslims disapprove of any visual representation of Allah. Hinduism was associated with a hierarchical caste system, while Islam has always called for the equality of all believers. Hindus recognize several sacred texts, while Muslims look only to the Quran for spiritual guidance. 
the arrival of Islam. The relationship between the Hindus and Muslims shaped the history of South Asia beginning in the 7th century and it continues to shape the regional culture and politics today. Islam initially entered India forcefully yet eventually took on more peaceful approach. But while an Islam was a universalizing religion, one that wanted to proletectalize or actively seek converts, Muslim rulers found early in their reign that forcing their Hindu and Buddhist subjects to convert was not successful. Thus, most converts came to Islam voluntarily. Many Muslim merchants in the Indian Ocean trade moved to Indian port cities and married their wives often ended up converting to the husband's religion. With its emphasis on equality of all believers, Islam also attracted low-caste Hindus who hoped that conversion would improve their social status. In this sense, Islam in India was like Christianity in the Roman Empire. Both appealed to the people who suffered the most under existing social structure. The largest numbers of converts to Islam, however, were Buddhists. Corruption among the monks and raids on monasteries by early Muslim conquerors left the Buddhist region disorganized. The spread of Islam helped make Buddhism a minority religion in the place of its birth. Social Structures in South Asia the arrival of Islam did little to alter the basic structure of society in South Asia. India's caste system its strongest historical continuity. While obviously inequitable, it lent stability to a politically decentralized land. The caste system was flexible and able to accommodate newcomers. Muslim merchants and migrants, even though they were not Hindu, found a place for themselves within the caste hierarchy based on their occupation. These subcastes, based on occupation, operated like workers' guilds, soon becoming absorbed into the social fabric of Indian society. At the same time, most of those who tried to escape the grip of the caste system failed. The low-caste Hindus who converted to Islam as a way to improve their social status usually did not achieve that goal. Individuals required more education and opportunities for better jobs, not just a new religion to help them escape their low status in life. As Islam spread, Muslims varied about how they would apply its core teachings depended on their culture before converting. For example, Islam did not alter gender relations greatly. In South Asia, women in Hindu tradition were confined to separate social spheres and Islamic women received similar treatment. In South Asia, women enjoyed more independence before the arrival of Islam. This pattern continued as people became Muslims. Thus, converts in South and Southeast Asia found ways to accommodate a new faith, but most people did not reject traditions in the process. Cultural Interactions in South Asia People in South Asia and the Middle East shared their intellectual and cultural achievements with each other. For example, Arab astronomers and mathematicians added to the body of knowledge begun by their Indian counterparts. 
Indian developments in algebra and geometry were translated into Arabic and spread throughout Dar al-Islam. One result of this movement of ideas was that the numeral system referred to in the West as Arabic numerals actually originated in India. India itself, sultans erected buildings, melding the intricate artistic details of Hindu art with geometric patterns preferred by Islamic architecture. The city of Delhi is filled with examples of Islamic architecture built during the Delhi Sultanate. One famous example, the Qutub Mintar, stands in the southern port of the city. Rulers from the Delhi Sultanate built an elaborate mosque on top of a Hindu temple and used materials from the mosque from nearby Hindu and other religious shrines. Towering over the mosque is Qutub Minar, itself a gigantic leaning tower, the tallest structure in India today. Historians debate the reason for its construction. One obvious function is its presence as a symbol of Islamic influence and, at one time, dominance of northern India. An entirely new language developed among Muslims of South Asia, Urdu. Urdu melded a grammatical pattern of Hindi, the language of northern Indians, with the vocabulary of Arabic and some elements of Farsi, a Persian language. Today, Urdu is official language of Pakistan. The Bhakti Movement Beginning in the 12th century, some Hindus began to draw upon traditional teachings about the importance of emotion in spiritual life. Rather than emphasize the studying of text or performing rituals, they focused on developing a strong attachment to a particular deity. This development, known as the Bhakti movement, started in southern India. It was especially appealing to many believers because it did not discriminate against women or people from low social status. For example, one of the most famous figures of the Bhakti movement would be a female, the poet Mari Bai, who lived in the 16th century. Though the Bhaktis were Hindu, they were similar in some ways to Sufi Muslims. Both groups were mystical movements, one that emphasized interreflection in order to achieve a direct personal relationship with a deity. Because they placed less emphasis on strict adherence to traditional rituals and beliefs, Bhaktis and Sufis each appealed to the people outside their traditions. Just as Sufis has helped spread Islam, the Bhaktis helped spread Hinduism. Southeast Asia Like China, South Asia strongly influenced its neighbors, particularly the lands of Southeast Asia, today's Indonesia, Malaysia, Cambodia, Thailand, Laos and Vietnam. Indian merchants had contact with these Southeast Asian lands as early as 500 BCE. The merchants sold gold, silver, metal goods and textiles in the region and brought back its fine spices. Trade voyages introduced the Indian region religions of Hinduism and Buddhism to Southeast Asia. Much of the region became the remains of today mostly Buddhism. 
The region of Southwest Asia was strategically significant. Whoever controlled this region could influence the valuable trade between South Asia and East Asia. Sea Kingdoms Because Southeast Asia was so important, several kingdoms emerged there. Two were particularly long-lasting. The Siarva Empire from 670 to 1025 was a Hindu kingdom based on Sumantra. It built up its navy and prospered by charging fees for ships traveling between India and China. The Majapahit Kingdom, 1293 to 1520, based on Java, had 98 tributaries at its height. Like Sri Java, Majapahit sustained its power by controlling sea routes. Unlike Sarjia, Majapahit was Buddhist land kingdoms. Other land kingdoms in Southeast Asia drew power from their control over the land. The Sinhala dynasties in Sri Lanka had their roots in the arrival of early immigrants, mostly likely merchants from the North India. Buddhists arrived in the 3rd century BCE and the land became the center of Buddhist study. Monasteries and nunneries flourished. Both men and women found a life of contemplation and simple living attractive. Buddhism was so deeply embedded that Buddhist priests often served as advisors to the monarchs. The government of one kingdom oversaw the construction of a network of reservoirs and canals to create an excellent irrigation system which contributed to economic growth. However, attacks by invaders from India and conflicts between the monarchy and the priests ultimately weakened the kingdoms. The Khmer Empire, also known as Angkor Kingdom, 802-1431, was situated near the Mekong River and also did not depend on maritime prowess for its power. The kingdom's complex irrigation and drainage systems led to economic prosperity, making it one of the most prosperous kingdoms in Southeast Asia. Irrigation allowed farmers to harvest rice crops several times a year, and a drainage system reduced the impact of heavy monsoon rains. The Khmer capital was at Angor Thom. These temples showed their variety of Indian cultural influence in Southeast Asia. Hindu artwork and sculptures of deities abounded. But at some point, the Khmer rulers became Buddhists. Starting in the 12th and 13th century, they added Buddhist sculptures and artwork to the temples without destroying any of the Hindu artwork. During the same period, and only half a mile from Angor Thom, rulers constructed an ornate and majestic Buddhist temple complex of Angkor Wat. In 1431, the Thais of the Suknop Kingdom invaded the area, forcing the Kumas out. Nevertheless, ruins of the magnificent structures of Angor Thom and Angor Wat still stand, testifying not only to the sophistication of Southeast Asian culture, but also to the powerful influence of Indian culture in that region. Islam Islam's movement in the Indian Ocean region paralleled its expansion everywhere else. 
The first Southeast Asian Muslims were local merchants who converted in the 700s, hoping to have better trade relations with the Islamic merchants who arrived on their shores. Islam was most popular in urban areas at the time. Islam spread to Sumatra, Java and the Malay Peninsula. Today, Indonesia includes more Muslims than any other country. Sufis also did missionary work in Southeast Asia. Because of their tolerance for local faith, people felt comfortable converting to Islam. They could be Muslims and still honor their local deities.